Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash My Money Health Check. Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Rob Lilly, sitting in for Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. So far, the market's kind of tolerated this bumpy mortgage rate roller coaster that we've kind of seen fairly well, actually. And had mortgage rates risen a little bit more gradually, I think the market would actually be in a much better place today than it is. Some agents are asking tenants to bid, name their price that they're willing to pay. A lot of people will view a property and then have to pull out when they realise that there's no way it's actually they're going to be able to rent it, the price that's being advertised. If you make a move, don't go regretting it, thinking, oh, why don't I just wait? Because there's so many different things that can change in the market. This week on the podcast, we're taking a closer look at the property market, aiming to get to the bottom of a big question. How much have house prices really dropped? Sure, many experts and statistics are showing house prices are on the decline, but exactly by how much? And does this tell us the full picture? Well, to help me answer those questions, I'm joined by a podcast regular, which property expert, Joe Wright. And no stranger to this podcast either, it's Anisha Beveridge, Head of Research at Estate Agents Hamptons. Welcome both. Hi, Rob. Hi, Rob. Well, it's brilliant to get you both back on the podcast. And I should also say that we'll be taking a closer look at what's happening in the rental market too, a little bit later on. Joe, Let's start with property prices. That's one of the main reasons we're here today. So what's the latest at the time that we're speaking right now? Yeah, it's been a considerable price rise over the last couple of years. But now it's a slightly different story with prices beginning to fall, or if not fall, then stagger and not rise to such a degree as they have done in the previous couple of years. So if we look at the Land Registry's UK House Price Index, that's the most reliable barometer as it's based on actual property sales rather than just looking at asking prices or mortgage lending. And it works on a two-month lag. So most recent stats we have are for May. And that shows that the average house price in the UK at the moment is £286,000. And that is a £6,000 increase compared with May 2022. And that equates to almost a 2% year-on-year rise. But just looking at the calendar year from the end of December 2022 to now, where we are at the start of August, house prices have begun to slip. And data from the land registry shows that that is the case. 
with house prices falling by about 1.6% in a six-month period. So it's not a drastic fall, which is what forecasters predicted at the start of the year. We might see a house price crash in 2023. That's not materialised yet, but that's not to say that further price drops may be on the horizon, because if you look at data from the likes of Nationwide and Halifax, they're reporting like their biggest falls in 15 years, so like 3% annual drop. Anisha, does what Joe's just told us there, is that kind of backed up by what you're seeing at Hamptons as well, that prices are indeed falling, maybe not by as much as we thought they might do, not by as much as, as the predictions said? You know, is this the case across the country or are there also some regional variations in those figures? Yeah, I think there's a really mixed picture around at the moment. And Joe's kind of touched on this, that a lot of the sort of official house price indices that we're we're used to looking at and reading on the news are showing quite a divergence really in what's happening to house prices. Anecdotally from our agents, they seem to think, and and Hamptons tends to operate in, in more of the prime end of the market in London, the southeast, they seem to feel that most prices are down around the 5% mark from where they were this time last year. And our expectation really, we forecast using the ONS official um, house price index, which Joe's kind of mentioned. And while it's showing price growth on an annual basis at the moment, there is a big lag in that data. And by the end of the year, we expect that indices to be showing between a naught and minus 5% price fall by the end of this year. So yeah, I think realistically, we are looking at a picture that prices are lower today than they were last year. Although, like you said, that cliff edge hasn't occurred And that sort of deceleration that we've been seeing has happened quite gradually. In terms of is the picture the same across the UK, it's fairly similar, to be perfectly honest, from all of the indicators that we can see. We think that prices are falling a little bit more in London and the south of England, where affordability is most stretched. And that's not just because properties are more expensive in these regions, but also it's where homeowners tend to have bigger mortgages proportionally. They take out more debt and they are more stretched as a result of that. We are also now seeing because of that, that smaller homes are starting to outperform larger ones because buyers' budgets have been shrinking to adapt to this higher interest rate environment. And of course, that's a big reversal to what we've seen post-pandemic, where really it was the demand for larger homes that stimulated prices for those particular property types. So a bit of changeover this year. Goes without saying that a little bit later on, I will ask you, Anisha, and Joe, you as well, to do the impossible and try and kind of predict what might happen in the in the near future. So, advanced apologies from me on that one, Joe. Can we look at some of the reasons why we're seeing these prices fall? Anisha mentioned a few of them just then, but as we've already heard, for so long, property prices continued to increase. We've seen huge levels of transactions, of course, during the pandemic. Why the sudden turnaround in the market right now? So yeah, it's mainly down to those pesky mortgage rates, which we talk about regularly on here and Anisha touched on. Mortgage rates themselves, they're high at the moment, much, much higher than they have been for the past 15 years or so. Because of that, there's just sort of a smaller demand for first-time buyers to get on the housing ladder and for homeowners themselves to move property. Zoopla's latest house price data shows that mortgage rates have reduced demand by 18% over just the last two months. The main cause of this house price fall is 
the quiet and demand due to the mortgage rates. And then we saw such a property boom in the pandemic in 2021 when there was the uh, stamp duty holiday. And during that time, we saw so many people try to take advantage of that and snap up a property. So the demand was sky high, prices elevated in line of demand. And that took us to these artificially high prices that we're coming down from at the moment, but what reached a peak last autumn. And it's quite inevitable that eventually we'd hit a ceiling and prices would have to come down because it'd just be unsustainable to keep rising by, say, 20% year on year. It would just be ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, this does seem like a a good place to kind of focus in on mortgages a little bit longer because regular listeners, you might remember I popped up on an episode myself a few weeks ago with Lucia and and with you as well, Joe, and I mentioned my dilemma, which was uh, whether to keep faith with my tracker mortgage or whether to jump onto a fixed deal for more stability because I bought this flat that I'm talking to you from now in January of this year. Well, I've got to say, since that podcast over the last couple of weeks, I have now fixed my mortgage until October 2025. That's set me now at a mortgage rate of 5.3% until then. Anisha, where are we at with mortgages at the moment? Are rates still high? Do we think there's a chance they might come down anytime soon? I'm going to stop myself from asking whether or not I've done the right thing because I can't bear it if you tell me I have or I haven't. I wouldn't dream of it, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) (laughs) There's no doubt, really, that mortgage rates are are much higher than we've been accustomed to here in Great Britain for at least the past kind of five years, probably more. The latest data from MoneyFacts is showing that the average price of a two-year fixed rate mortgage is around 6.85%. And that's actually 20 basis points above where it was last October when rates peaked following the mini-budget. But I think the good news is is that some of this latest inflation data has kind of changed financial markets' expectations of how high rates will need to go to tame inflation. And we are starting to see some of the big lenders cut mortgage rates. And that's people like NatWest, Halifax and Virgin Money have followed suit just in the last few days. And that will help, but it still means that rates are considerably higher than most households have been accustomed to. Our view is really that we are probably at or about peak mortgage rates at the moment, and they might continue to come down a little bit further this year, but we aren't really expecting too much. All eyes really are on that inflation data, and we're waiting to see whether the Bank of England sort of stop hiking and really when they might even consider starting to cut interest rates. Now, financial markets view of when that's kind of likely to happen isn't until around mid-2024 next year. So we've got a little way to go, but most mortgages are priced on swap rates rather than the direct actions that the Bank of England take. So we might actually start to see mortgage rates come down in the new year. But yeah, there's so many risks attached to all of this. It's, It's a really hard one to call at the moment. Joe, I know you're regularly crunching the data. So are there any deals out there at the moment that might prove attractive or as attractive as they can for anyone looking to remortgage or anyone looking to buy at the moment? I think attractive as they can is is the key phrase there. Um, Because, yeah, averages are are now 6.8%, 6.3%. But you can find deals much lower than that average, depending on what sort of deposit you can put down or how much equity you own in your home if you're remortgaging. Say if you have 60% 
LTV, so you can put down a 40% deposit if you're a first-time buyer, say. Then the cheapest mortgage deal at the moment for a two-year fix is 5.93%, which is from Barclays Mortgage. Then you've also got 5.96% from Yorkshire Building Society, 5.96% from Cumberland Building Society, and that comes with no additional upfront fees. So, yeah, there are deals there which are much lower than the averages which are floating around, but it's all dependent on the size of your deposit that you can put down. Obviously, if you can afford a much bigger sum, then you're going to be rewarded with cheaper rates. If you are a first-time buyer and can only afford a 5% or 10% deposit, then you're looking at heftier costs. If we look at the cheapest two-year fix for a 95% LTV mortgage. The cheapest one is 6.37%, and that's currently from Cumberland Building Society. So there are decent deals on the table at the moment. Interestingly, last week, Yorkshire Building Society released a exclusive deal just for first-time buyers, offering £2,000 cashback, which is quite a big incentive. Normally, cashback offerings on mortgages around £250, £500. But Yorkshire's new one's £2,000 cashback. So if you sign up to their 90% LTV mortgage, which comes at an interest rate of 5.89%, you would then get two grand back from the building society, which would come into your bank balance as soon as that mortgage starts. So yeah, there are incentives out there which lenders are trying to entice buyers and remortgages into uh, taking out their deals. Just what we would say is if you are remortgaging, make sure you can shop around and you take time to look at the other deals available. Don't just be loyal to your existing lender. They could offer you a competitive rate. We asked 12 of the leading lenders last week, whether you offer exclusive rates to people who are existing customers. And the majority of them came back to us saying that they do offer exclusive rates. So they do reward loyalty. But that's not to say that offer will be the best one that you could possibly get if you looked elsewhere. So yeah, get advice from a mortgage broker. They'll have access to a wide range of deals and hopefully you'll be able to find the best deal that can suit you. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, some really, really good advice there. Now, we'll be back with our house price predictions in a moment, as well as a closer look at the rental market after this. What is happening to supermarket prices? Do own label brands taste good? What's the best supermarket? What's the worst? How do I spend less on my weekly shop? Are there ways I can shop smarter? Should I just be growing my own veg? How do I even grow veg? <sighs> Wine to pair with spag ball? When life gives you questions, get answers at which.co.uk. Now, we'll get back to house prices in a little while. But first, let's chat more about what's happening in the rental sector. Anisha and Joe, I'll get your thoughts shortly. But first, though, I've been chatting to Dan Wilson-Craw. Now, he's the Deputy Chief Executive at the campaign group Generation Rent. Dan, welcome to the Which Money podcast. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. 
We've got you on, of course, because on today's episode, we've been talking all about the property market and house prices and the mortgage market. But of course, it goes without saying that we are facing a similar, maybe you're going to tell me an even worse situation when it comes to the rental market. So when it comes to renters and that rental market, what is the current picture at the moment? The headline is that rents, particularly on new tenancies, have been rising very quickly, around 22% in the past two years, which means that if you're trying to find a new place to live, you're suddenly facing rents far beyond what they have been. We're seeing lots of really stressful, dodgy practices uh, in many cases where people are having to view properties alongside other renters, many other people who are competing for that property. Some agents are asking tenants to bid, name their price uh, that they're willing to pay for the property, which can be really difficult. It means that a lot of people will view a property and then have to pull out when they realize that there's no way it's actually, they're going to be able to rent it the price that's being advertised. So it's a very stressful situation. It's even worse if you're relying on benefits because a local housing allowance, which is what you get if you're on universal credit or housing benefit, that's been frozen at 2019 levels. So it's not kept up whatsoever with this 22% increase in rents on new tenancies. And Dan, can we talk about single people as well? I was reading a, an Evening Standard article. They, they claim that being single in London, I think, is costing people about £860 more a month. Obviously, that picture isn't restricted to London. Being single and trying to rent somewhere by yourself, especially right now, is becoming increasingly difficult. Absolutely, yeah. It's a real marker of affordability, which is can a single person afford to rent on their own? And you know, you're People are getting to their 30s and 40s single by choice in a lot of cases, but it's just impossible to find a place to rent in London. The median rent, the median property is unaffordable for the median earner to rent. It just exemplifies the, the issues we have with, with housing affordability, particularly in London. It, it means that people who are single are, are just forced to move into shared housing, maybe for much longer than they were planning to when they started out their careers. Joe, you've been listening to what Dan had to say. Is this reflective of what we're hearing at which? And, and also, you know, for you, the situation that you're hearing kind of from friends and from colleagues as well? It is, Rob. Yeah. So what Dan says about how rents are going up it's, it is 100% true. Um, that is the case across the board. He was sort of mainly looking at new lets. So if you were trying to find a new place, then you're likely to find a 10% price rise from this time last year. But if you're an existing tenant, then also you're likely to also hit rent increases as well because your landlord themselves will be suffering from mortgage rate increases with their buy-to-let mortgage that they have. So many hundreds of thousands of landlords across Britain at the moment are struggling with their mortgages. And so to help pay for their loan, they're upping the cost of renting to their existing tenants. So each year on a 12-month cycle, your rent will likely go up. The average, I think, is around 5%. It's going up year on year. So yeah, it's not just new lets which are bearing the brunt of rent hikes. It's also existing tenants who have lived in a property for, say, a couple of years, five years. They're also being hit hard as well. And what about you, Anisha? I mean, would you kind of echo what Joe said there? Is there anything else you wanted to add to this conversation? Yeah, I think what's super clear here is that it's a, a really tricky time for tenants and it's it's also a tricky time for a number of landlords too. Um, 
We know that landlords are more likely to be hit by higher mortgage rates than anyone else. And that's because around 70% of investors own their buy-to-let with a mortgage compared to around 46% of homeowners. And because most of these buy-to-lets are on interest-only deals, they're seeing their mortgage costs rise quite quickly. And so for the average investor who's coming off at the end of a two-year fix and is remortgaging today, their mortgage costs will likely triple. And of course, that's putting some pressure on rents. So we sort of think that if a landlord actually passed this higher mortgage cost onto their tenant, the average rent would actually have to rise by 45% compared to last year, which of course would be completely unaffordable for most tenants. And as we've kind of touched on, really, we're seeing rents on newly let properties rise around the 9% mark and on renewed tenancies around the 5% mark. So we can see that landlords are passing on some of these costs to their tenants, but certainly not all of them. I think the big issue that we're facing with the private rental sector is that all of these pressures are coming at once. And there are some longer term structural issues kind of related to the way that landlords are taxed and regulated. And all of this has served to kind of reduce the supply of rental homes available here in Great Britain. So this sort of cocktail of, of rising costs for landlords, fewer homes available to rent as some landlords sell. And as well, we're facing higher demand from potential people that would be becoming first-time buyers because they can no longer afford to rent and to buy a home. And this is all putting pressure on rents. And it's actually why we think rents are going to continue to rise probably above the 5% mark for the remainder of this year and probably for the next couple of years too. And that's likely to outpace house price growth over the next couple of years as well. So then to finish, let's get back to house prices. Anisha, what can you tell us, if anything, about what your info is telling you about what might happen over the coming months? Well, this really is the million dollar question, isn't it? And is is what everyone's asking at the moment. And I think ultimately, we've got a lot that's riding on what happens to mortgage rates here. And in turn, that depends on what happens to inflation and how the Bank of England reacts to that, some of that latest data. Our sort of view is that we might see mortgage rates come down a little bit towards the end of this year, but not by much. Most of those mortgage rate falls will probably happen towards Q2, probably next year and beyond that. So Really, we aren't expecting too much from the housing market in the meantime. A lot of people are waiting in the wings and just kind of waiting to see what happens to mortgage rates before they decide to make their move. So we're expecting house prices to fall between 0 and 5% this year. Um, and we're not really expecting much price growth, if anything at all, next year as well. So, But of course, a lot can change. Um, we've seen a number of economic shocks occur in the last sort of 12 to 18 months. And dare I also say, we're probably facing a general election towards the end of next year as well. So it's really up in the air. But hopefully, we think we're kind of through the worst of it now. And there might be a few more reasons to be cheerful next year. So then, Joe, with all that in mind, can you finish with any advice that you'd have for, for both buyers and sellers, I suppose, at the moment? Yeah, so it's quite tough to use a crystal ball and see what will happen and what buyers and sellers could do. Um, just if you look at stats, the estate agent trade body property mark reports that in May this year, 79% of property transactions were completed below the original asking price. So that's almost four in five properties are selling for below what they're originally put up for, which obviously paints a picture that 
buyers kind of hold the upper hand as to trying to get a better deal. So that compares to just 23% in May last year. So 79% selling for below the asking price now, whereas 23% were the year prior. So yeah, if you're a buyer, then go into it. If you see a house marketed for a set price, then don't just think that, oh, well, that's what I like people paying and, and just sort of, and don't think about it again, because more likely than not, you'll be able to get that price down by potentially quite a substantial sum. There's some optimism for buying now, but what we're seeing is a lot of people waiting out because there's that anticipation that mortgage rates will be lower this time next year. If you do buy a house now, do you sort of go on the tracker, bite the bullet now in the hope interest rates will come down? But then I saw the resolution think tank said the other week that they don't expect two-year fixes to come anywhere below 4.5% come 2027. So people taking out a two-year fix now will be gambling, hoping that come 2025, interest rates will be lower, but there's no guarantee that's going to be the case. And then for sellers, because you've got the number of house sales uh, going below the asking price, sort of hitting 80%, then it's kind of crucial that when you're marketing a property, you kind of get that house price correct. You don't want to be overvaluing it. You want to be going, like, say, 30 grand over what it is actually worth because you're not going to get any traction because the demand isn't there. You're not going to get people fighting out, trying to put in the highest bid possible because that's just not the market at the moment. Just play it sensible, I would say. And if you make a move, don't go regretting it, thinking, oh, why don't I just wait? Because there's so many different things that can change in the market. There could be another pandemic in a couple of years' time. So I'm not saying I want that to happen, but you don't know what's going to happen. So you just can't go into something predicting the market per se. Well, a huge thank you to Joe and Anisha for coming on the show today and to you as well, of course, for listening to this week's episode of the Witch Money Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, then please do hit subscribe to make sure you catch our new episodes as soon as they drop. Um, for money news and advice, find us on social media. We're at Witch Money and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money. And we also, of course, have our free money newsletter, which is delivered to your inbox every Monday. To sign up, visit witch.co.uk forward slash money newsletter. This episode of the Witch Money podcast was written and produced by me, Rob Lilly, edited by Eric Breer, with additional support from Grace Witherden and Matthew Jenkins. Hi there, Harry from Witch here. Our research has found that millions of families are skipping meals to survive the cost of living crisis. And our figures show that over 8 in 10 people in the UK are having to make adjustments to save money on food. With the price of essential products soaring, we believe that supermarkets have to step up to the plate to help us all. That's why we've launched the Affordable Food for All campaign, calling on the big supermarkets to take action and make a real difference to communities across the UK. If you agree and would like to join our campaign, then sign our petition at witch.co.uk slash affordable dash food and use the hashtag affordable food for all on social media. Thank you.